Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Roger Federer. Um, okay. On Damn it. Today we're Rogering Federer. <laughs> Nadal. No, we're doing Federer today. So um, <laughs> I suppose there's a few reasons that I picked him. Um, but I before we get into that, we, we can't do that without the wine. Oh, uh, of the wine. So let's, let's have a look. Okay. What is it? So today I decided to bring a Malbec. Um, <clears throat> it was a recommendation from a friend to mix it up and do something a little bit different. So... Um, you know how I, Darren? You kn- no, not from Darren. He's not my friend. No. He's not my friend. <laughs> um, that's a joke. It's a joke. So um, you know how I like picking my wines off the label. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> with this one, um, my pop's name was actually Albert, but he got called Jack. So the fact that it was J Alberto kind of grabbed me to begin with. Um, and also it's a wine from Argentina. Um, I went to a degustation dinner a little oh, a few years ago, actually now, and there was a really nice um, Argentinian wine. So when I saw this one, I thought, let's give it a crack. So and you're gambling that all Argenti- Argentinian wines are good? No, okay. no, it was just a combination <laughs> of the label, the name, you know, the suggestion. So awesome. Thought we'd go with it. So where does you go? You start pouring. Someone who knows something about wine, tell you, where does Malbec sit in? You know, we've got Cab Sauv and Shiraz and all that. Where does well, it sit in the order? Uh, is it? I think in almost every wine there's a bit of Malbec. Okay. But because you only put less than five percent, you don't have to write it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's a, a s- pure Malbec. It's you don't see it every day. I think it's a Spanish grape, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just above a uh, bit above a Pinot. And a Argentina, Argentinian would love this. Oh, I sorry, did actually do some research on it, but I forget what it told me. So. Mm, this is Hello. cheers. Very nice. She may be the winner. Yes, I am. Mine got better with age. No. Huh? <laughs> Only one, one glass. So with this beautiful bottle. Malbec. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. With this bottle, we're going to be discussing Roger Federer. Um, yeah, there was a few reasons that I picked him. I guess I do think he's an amazing tennis player. Yeah. Um, tennis as a sport always interests me because it's such a um, – there's a big team behind that one player, obviously, but once they're out on that court, it is such – a one-on-one mental game so that was um, another reason for picking him um, his humility I think is just huge and the respect that he's got within that realm of sporting is massive so yeah that's pretty much why he's not I bad to look at either mm, I wouldn't really oh sure yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but, but you know I, I know that you love your dancing and I think that he's one of those tennis players who really seem like he's dancing mm. you know the way he does his serve, the way he does his touch on the volley, the, his beautiful backhand. His yeah. backhand is like a, a ballet dancer. He's very yeah, graceful. He's a he graceful has a really player. Nice style oh, about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a graceful player. Yeah. All right. So who? Let's let's talk this way. So who knows five things that would wow most people about Roger? I, I think one of the things that I watched quite a few interviews trying to learn about him because I love this segment that we do because we're learning. I'm learning a lot about people that I would have never spent time in mm. thinking about. But 
I, so I watched a lot of interviews. One of the beautiful things I think is he's got this thing called fire and ice that he, he, he explains about himself. That when he's on the court, um, he's on fire internally to drive himself to, to win the next point, to focus on his tactics for the game. Yeah. But externally, he wants to have that um, ice facade. So he's Mr. Cool under pressure and he keeps his head and so forth. And the wonderful thing is his modesty that he says, that wasn't me when I was younger. He goes, I had to learn that. And when I was a kid, oh, he goes, I was a firecracker. He goes, I would swear and throw my racket and chuck chantrums and all that sort of stuff. But he got to a point in his life, and I think it was when he fell under the guidance of the Australian coach who really pulled him up to his next level. Uh, Con- Connor? Jim- Peter. Peter Connor? Jimmy Connor? Peter Carter. Peter Carter. Um, took him to the next level. Um, and the gratitude that he shows as well. It wasn't I wanted- until he, the coach passed that he really and, took yeah. him to the but I think that fire and ice concept that he explains that he really wants to, you know, keep that fuel burning inside, but the calm exterior, I think it's wonderful. I think I really like that. I think that's probably going to be the biggest wow for most people is I don't know how well known it is that at the moment he's pretty much the antithesis of all the top tennis players. He's not a jerk on the court. He doesn't carry on or do any of that stuff. And it, I think the biggest wow factor for most people will be that he used to be that person yeah. because now he's the complete opposite. Mm. And has been for such a long time that um, he probably cops a bad rap for being a bit boring and a bit not having enough personality. But he used to be the the, the mongrel on the court that the rest of them are. So I think the one thing about that though was that it was never really about his opponent or the umpire or anything like that. It was more he was cranky at himself. That's why he was hitting the Richter. Whereas some of these other players, oh, I think they're all angry at themselves. They, they are. just take it out on whoever's closest. That's yeah. And you can't get to, it's very rare, we, we we talked about in the book about whether greatness can come without pain, but it's very rare for someone to get to the level he got to without having a little bit of uh, craziness about him. So yeah, well, that's right, that's of, true. A little bit of those idiosyncrasies, because everyone's got them. Um, he, he took the loss, about with the pain, he took the loss of his coach quite very, very deeply, and very, very deeply. And in, and in a couple of the interviews they had with him talking about him, he got very emotional. Because uh, he, he he looked up to his coach so much, and as you said, Megs, that was one of his main turning points in his career. Is when his coach did pass away in a, a car accident in South Africa, I think it was. Um, he, his game improved out of sight, and he says it was actually as a bit of an homage to his coach that he knows he needed to do the best to make him proud of what he had taught him. I think it was an absolutely wonderful thing. The other great thing is the fact that when you see him in an interview, he never speaks ill of anyone. And he speaks so highly of his competitors. Even even Nadal, they have a, a fierce rivalry. They're still good mates. No, but they're real good mates, mate. But but they are. But they, they've still got this fierce rivalry. He doesn't let that interfere with being a friend. And he says, you know, in the change room with Dokovic and all the other guys that he plays with, he goes, it's fun. It's a great time. He goes, oh, he goes that's one of the best parts about tennis. It's It's... I think that humility is a bloody good tactic if he wants to use it. To <laughs> oh. Be everyone's this. friend. No, just be everyone's friend. Don't have anyone pissed <laughs> off at you. And then he goes out onto the court and murders them. So be a good friend. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> there was part of that time, though, when he was being, you know, aggro on the court and stuff like that. His parents, like, <clears throat> I think um, his parents had a very, they had an expectation of him. He knew it. It didn't. I couldn't get a lot about them, but it seemed like, you know, he knew what the expectation was, and he knew he had to deliver what they expected. They didn't have to be 
like hard asses, so to speak, about it. But they stopped talking to him at that point in his career because of how he was acting on the field, on the court. There you go. They they stopped talking to him and just said, nah, "Been there, brother." Pull your head in, <laughs> and um, and that was uh, around that. You know, not long after that was when the coach passed and right. all of that came about. So. I'm interested. What TL's obviously got a list there. What are you? What are no, the, no, what are the shocking points? I haven't, no. I haven't got a list. No, I think my list it was more like exploits. When I'm listening to you guys, you guys have done way, way more research. It's um, it's amazing to hear. All that I know was exactly what you said at the beginning. He he used to have a very bad temper. However, that place where he used to have bad temper now carries his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It's a funny thing. Right? Yes. So that that it, it, you were once a villain, but now we're okay having your name here. Roger Federer Centre Court. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think Wong Tennis Club's got the, <laughs> the, Cam, got the Cam Wilson. The Cameron Wilson mate. outhouse. <laughs> it's funny. One of the things I read only last night, I was just sort of having another look to see what else I could find about him, but um, one of the lines that was on one of the articles was that he's got old school stoicism and mental toughness and good sport. And it was funny because it's not why I picked him, but to see that word that we're talking about here in this podcast in an article about him, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but a lot of his values, I think, align with the Stoics, with what yeah. we've been talking about. Uh, when we do someone, I try and dig up dirt. I, I yeah. type in and we try and find something. Okay, we always hear the good stuff. Let's try and find some. Yeah. I couldn't find any. Only that he had the temper. That that, was that's the weird. only thing. But he's the first one to admit that. He goes, when I was young, he goes, I was a brat. Mm. I was a brat. You think more of it comes about, part of that is, I was thinking about that myself, he's only 39, he's 40. 39. He's 39. He's a couple of months older than me. He was an 81, I'm an 82. So, yeah. So, that dirt will probably, if, if there's something to be found, maybe later in life after he's retired, it's very, we're, we're talking about a guy who's still at the top, and still, still going. He hasn't retired yet, has he? A lot of injuries, though. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, body's starting to... Five, six, but everyone six else... Back injuries, knees... Everyone else we've talked about, we've had at least 50 years or 60 years to dig into and, and for stuff to come out about his life. It, you know, it's very mundane. Your Wikipedia search, Roger, it's all just tennis exploit after tennis exploit. And I said that to you guys before, it doesn't seem to have gone... You know, he hasn't got the troubled childhood and all the stuff of all the other people that... And we asked, do you need that pain to be great? But... To be great in tennis, you go through a fair bit of pain because hit you know the thousands and thousands and thousands of tennis balls you got to hit to get there is is yeah. pain enough. But that's where I probably will say now we just heard something different. He was a great player, but the loss of his mentor gave him mate, a huge hurdle to surmount. Because I'm sure that there are things that he wish he could have told him before mm. he passed on. Absolutely, there were probably some unfinished business that you and I we don't know. And in, in that respect, there's maybe some uh, guilt being carried. And the wrestling with this thing, the confronting of the challenge rather than trying to dance away from it, has now elevated him to 39-year-old, still number eight <laughs> on the planet, uh, still beating people or, uh, you know, in, in, in Grand Slam. It's, it's an amazing thing. 20 grand slam, I mean, equal obviously by, by Nadal, but you look at the guy, he's 39, he's now the oldest player, mm. isn't it? Mm. And at his age, I guess, even in any sport. It's not a bad age. Can everyone back off the age? It's all right. Professional sport, Cam, we're talking here. Like no, but for Cam, that would, that would have been 17. <laughs> <old>. <laughs> um, I think it was 23 <laughs> years that he's been sort of at that. 
Oh, he now was, how he was he only feels, 18 yeah. when he first went on to the, the tournament. Yeah. So um, he was one of the youngest to step onto it. And then within, I think it was the first two years, he'd, he was already number six in the world mm. at the time. And <clears throat> now it's 23 years on. He's, he is probably the oldest on the tournament, I would say. But in any sport, mm. at 39, if you're still at sort of in that top level, it's, it says something about the person. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing I was surprised about every victory. So this this fire and ice concept he had uh, upon the that winning point, almost every victory it'd, it'd break down with with sort of tears of passion. And you could see the passion and the fuel that he had for the game while he had that ice exterior while he was playing at the minute he won, and it come through on every Grand Slam yeah. that he win, and you could see that passion he had for it. Um, it, was, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, the research I showed is the wealthiest tennis player, tennis player in the world, $900 million. He's worth almost a billion dollars. Um, 130 of that's in prize money. Yeah. But he's taken that money and he's got two foundations he's set up. Yeah. So his mother was from South Africa and he spent a lot of his uh, life in, as, a younger, uh, as a younger man in travelling South Africa, visiting family and friends. So he's opened foundations for children, um, to educate children in, in South Africa. And he's also done it, um, I think, in Europe, or it might have been Switzerland or France or somewhere like that. But he's also done... So he's got this foundation, the Roger Federer Foundation, to help, to help people as well. So he's, he's also, uh, you, know, giving ba- you know, giving back to the community. So... I, you know, there's times that you look into someone, you go, man, that's just amazing, amazing yeah. uh, athlete, amazing person, um, and just all-round nice guy. It was, there was no dirt really that you could find on him. I think he was still the highest income earner for an athlete last year. 2020, he was 103 million dollars. <laughs> 103 million. 103 million dollars. He had like, his, alone, his wife now, but his. Um, at the time, it was his girlfriend, and she was one of the only ones that was going around on the tour. Like, it was very unusual for tennis players at that age to be bringing partners with them and a steady partner with them. And um, a few of the things that I read sort of talked about potentially that leading to his um, discipline and his approach and his stability. Stability. Um, he's got two sets of twins. Sorry. Two sets Sorry. of twins. He's set for life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> four, four number one tennis players. <laughs> He's going to be the highest paid sportsman for now until eternity. I could just He's see like, the like, run. Which one? He's like a good racehorse. <laughs> They've put him out to stud. He's just so let, 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 let's try and um, extrapolate on this. He's, he, he's coming to the end of his career. How do you think he'd feel right now? Uh, look, I... From what I saw, there was a few things in a couple of the interviews that I, I, I really took out of it. One of the things, when he was younger, he felt he really didn't know who to trust. And he felt he couldn't trust anyone. Um, and he got to a point where he had to learn how to trust and who to trust, the right people to trust. And he, he goes, I wish I could impart that to the younger players because the younger players would be going through the same thing I'm going through. where They feel everyone wants to get on their, their bandwagon and go along for the ride. So I think... You know, looking at the way he presented himself, he would want to give back to the tennis community in maybe helping the younger people understand how their career can take off and the commitment they've got to make and who they've got to have around them. Like a mentor kind of a role? Ma- ma- that's right. It doesn't Not strike so me as a coach. A, doesn't no, I don't think a coach. I think a mentor, that the mind game, because you said it's a bigger mind game than it is a coach game. Yes. The other thing, big thing I loved about him, he goes, don't work on your weaknesses. You work on your weaknesses, you'll be a good tennis player. He goes, work on your strengths. He goes, then you're a great tennis mm. player. So I think that's su- there's a lot of bits and pieces he can give to these younger tennis players, I yeah. think. And that's yeah. what he might be looking at There was at one doing. of them that was talking about, he, you know, his shots and how he, um, 
he sets things up so far in advance that the average eye wouldn't see, but he actually he's he's working towards it and working towards it, and then he just knows when to deliver the right um, shot. And it reminded me of the Bruce Lee kick, you know, don't worry about the ten thousand different times, just worry about that that one that you know is your, your thing. And he's got a few in his arsenal, though. He's not one that just has his like he's oh not yeah. a one trick pony Jesus. by any oh. means, but um, yeah, the class that he that delivers. That shot is just out of this world, mm. isn't it? It'll be interesting to see what he does when he when he does retire because he strikes me as the kind of guy who's just going to fade away into his own Do you think life. So? Yeah, I don't I don't see him. You know, I don't see him commentating. I don't see him. He won't be in a role at the front, a leading public. Yeah, I don't think he's he's. He want to be a Is he a leading public figure? Is he is he a leader as such? Or is he just so in is control? He going, of is he going to start his own um, tennis association like Djokovic? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think that the ego's there. There's no ego there for him to have names to it and so forth. And yeah. him talking about himself was very minimal of his... I feel like he goes away and lives his own life. Yeah. I feel like you won't see much of him. No, I think, I think he'll be there. I think he'll be greatly involved behind the scenes, helping younger players to get where they need to be. Have you That's watched the sort him of play? Oh, sorry? Seen him play live? Oh. No, not live, no. The, the closest I came to live is when he f- came here for his first game and he stayed at the Grand... Um, Sheraton in uh, under the Harbour Bridge, and I just walked past him as he got out of the car. That was his first time out here. I didn't see no him. autograph, mate. Hey, no autograph. No, because Mr. Roger, Mr. No. Roger. Because Apparently, he'll stand there for hours off signing stuff too for him. <laughs> <laughs> they have to pull him away. Go, go. We have to go. No, no, no. Crazy. Back in, back in those days, there were no iPhones. I couldn't get a selfie. It was with my brother. It was a box browning back then. tennis, and I said. Mate, if you want a photo, it's here now. He's there. Let's get the big Just got out of it around. <laughs> so, from a from a player's point of view, because that's all we've really got to judge at the moment. What do you think his legacy going to be? Has he has he changed the game at all? Has he changed the way things have been done? I, clearly, no one's following I, his leaders not being a dickhead. I don't think that he's changed. I don't think he's changed the game because uh, I think that uh, he's only following Sampras in a lot of ways. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, very similar. But I see a ballet dancer. He has taken tennis to a different art. You see him doing his backhand 2,000 times. It's the same movement. It's ex- it's an art. It's an art form. It's exactly the same movement. So this, this dude, you, you can do, you can throw at him whatever you want. He will find a way of just dancing that ball back to you. Mm-hmm. And to me, you won't have another one. One that I really love for his serve volley was John McEnroe. So he had that dancing too between his serve and his volley. I, I reckon th- Roger is complete, man. You'd think if there was a lesson to be learned by the other players is you can reach the top without being a goose. But they don't seem to have taken that on board. I don't oh, know. No, you're talking about something it's an else. an age thing, though. Yeah. Hey? Age of maturity. Oh, he, no, but he's been for yeah. a long time. He's 39 now, but he hasn't been... No, 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 no. The, f- he, he, the no, firecracker no, no. for... First game on the Grand Slam. He when was he quiet, was man. younger. Hey? He was quiet on the first game. That's what I mean. Slam. So for as long as he's been on the, the world stage, he never he, lost he's it. been that humble guy. No. Uh, he's lost it a few times, but no. because it was bad and bad. Probably not as but many But he's as never most. lost it. So what right? I'm saying is he should be a great example... Yeah, for all the parents out there who don't want their kids throwing tennis rackets, he's the guy they go to. And yet, somehow, coming through, I mean, how old's um, Kyrgios? 22? 12? 12, yeah, that's his, <laughs> his shoe size and his IQ. But how's his... <laughs> you know, the, the unfortunately, you, you would hope that could have been his legacy, but it, it hasn't been. It's unfortunately the rock star but mentality. You don't have to go far. I mean, we, we, what is it, We the end of May, Tomic. 
just got just got thrown out by a, a qualifier, yeah. right? Yeah. It was just a qualifying game for for Roland Garros. He didn't even make it. Yeah. And you look, at, I, I think and Djokovic has been the number one for longer than Federer was now. But Djokovic used to quit every game that he was losing because he, he'd fake no. injuries and no, do all sorts he of stuff. Had, um, celiac. Yeah, he's full of shit. I, I, I think that there's there's an issue that we have with this kind of tennis that we have for the moment. My daughters, they go to play uh, at UTR level, and they were shocked the first time they played because they they saw boys throwing rackets, having a tantrum. Someone cried playing against Zara. It shocked them. It's like, oh, what happened here? What do I do? Zara can or, be brutal. Or, or, no, Zoe was brutal. <laughs> or someone would... Um, do a a, a a scream because you stuffed up your yeah. ball, you know, and and I went to the uh, the organizer. I said, guys, you want the right kids to come out from here. This is when you need to have an empire. This is when you have an empire who says, sorry, disqualified. Sorry, you lost the point. Don't think that because they're 13, we can allow them to do all of this stuff until they're 18, 19. It's too late to That's fix right. it. You know? Let's teach these kids how to focus on their tennis, not on how loud they can be. I think then, though, and this you has know? opened up a whole other can of worms, mate, is the people who should be getting disqualified and sent home are the parents. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I'm serious. It comes, down, it comes down to the parenting, I believe, and a lot of that. I used to watch the game of Sebastian's the other day and he, he, he threw his hat on the ground. After the game, I said, mate, you played a lot of good tennis, but one shot ruined the whole day. You acting like that, throwing your hat on the ground, everyone saw it because you're upset with yourself. Keep it to yourself, move on, use that as your How fight. many of those kids do you reckon would act like that if yeah, their, parent, if know, their parents weren't watching? No, some of those kids, they correct their parents. I mean, Tsitsipas like, almost like broke his racket on his father's. <laughs> so, so, so some of those kids do correct their parents on court. Yeah, how many would act like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian's bigger than me now too. So. How many would act like that though if their parents weren't there watching? You're right, sir. You're, you're because right. Because of the parents, yeah. the you're pressure right. of the parents. I mean, I, I've been there in both oh, sides. So you think the I parents are p- pushing that performance? They're, they're like creating that performance. They're creating that. What's going on at home if they lose? Right. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. What's going Has on? Anyone read the Elena Dokic book? Yeah, what's going on if they lose? What pressure's on them at home really? to win? Yeah, good point, mate. She was abused good point, by good dad. Point. And good point. So I was, you know, my... my but dad was probably trying to emulate Serena Williams' dad in Venus. But he's gone overboard, maybe. Because he's got a temper issue. My, I was... I, my own experience... and I, I You played pretty High-level tennis, tennis right? when I was very young, but I was under pressure to perform, and if I lost... It wasn't a good car ride home, but I also got dragged off the court for throwing my tennis racket, never to play again. So, literally in the middle of a doubles match. That was your mum, right? That was mum, but (laughs) it was the same. And mum doesn't listen, so it's okay. The same pressure to perform, the same car ride home was also my mother and my father. So, I was in the middle where if I did the wrong thing on the court, I was in trouble. But if I lost, I was in trouble. So, and I I wonder with these kids that are carrying on, how how much of that is related to who's sitting on the sideline. I understand the split personality issue. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I still remember my doubles partner sitting there. Who went on to play in the Australian Open, mind you, going, we're in the middle of a game and I've been dragged off the court never to play again. (laughs) (laughs) Dane Fernandez was was his name. That was tough. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, we we talk about what's coming through and you know where the blame starts because the kids don't learn those behaviours on their own. It's the same as football, right? It's the same, same as football. I mean, you tell a story, you play, your team's playing against another team, 
and they're playing dirty. And how old were they? Like eight year olds, something. Under nines. Last Under nines year, last yeah. year, and, and the parents were clapping. And, and that's exactly right. And it, 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 it leads from home. What, what are they getting told? What are they being taught? Um, and you know, it's. I think the parents need to have. There's a kid on the weekend dropping um, all sorts of f bombs with m words in front of them. Yeah, Isaac anyway. comes off and goes, "What do I do, Dad?" I said, "Whack him." <laughs> yeah, good parenting. Good one, Ken. Tackle harder. <laughs> very, very, very good pick, uh, Roger good pick. Federer. I like that. Very good pick, and maybe a stoic. Yeah, maybe. it'd be interesting to do it if we're still doing this podcast in thirty years' time, um, to see where he's gone, you know, further on down the track. Because everyone else we've looked at, we've talked a lot today about his sporting performance, his sporting attributes, but. See what happens when he leaves the. Well, if if he is the stoic we think he is, he would not want the limelight. He will be hmm. working behind the scenes. I, I, I get I, that feeling. I get yeah, the feeling I he'll truly, fade away. I truly do. I think that's where he'll be. Are you, he'll be behind there helping people quietly, not wanting any of the the kudos. To go out there and win. No, I think I feel I still think he would want the kudos. It's because he he's he's two things I want to ask him. He's well paid by Nike, and then he goes and leaves Nike for Uniqlo. Who, so Nike took him to court. What that for? What's that? Some of these players measure themselves by the kudos they get. When I say kudos, I mean by the limelight of the other player. Oh, Not I see, I see. so when I said that by the oh, I see, I see. by the kudos of I helped him win. Okay, now. Since you guys know a lot about him, I'm going to ask you one last thing. I didn't know what I read like we've watched yet that, in the last couple of That days. trick shot where he's hitting that can of that guy's head. I never is saw that. Is it real or is it... Oh, I never saw that. I don't know a, what you're talking a about. A trick kind of uh, video. You, you've seen it? I haven't seen it. Bring it up. You haven't seen it. Okay. Is, this, is this the same one as like Becker's kicking the soccer ball into the bin on the yeah, beach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sort of thing? Yeah. I didn't see it. But Put I, this on your head, Chris. I'll see if I can throw something. <laughs> You're going to try and kick it off? You're going to try and do it? I just want to ask. Anyway, good pick. Thanks very much. Let's talk. Awesome.